Hey, I want to welcome our online audience back too. Just glad you guys are joining us from everywhere. Got a great turnout today. Glad that you guys are here. Um, everything seems to be on track. Uh, we started our uh, early service today at 9 o'clock, so we do run two services now at 9 and 10.30. Our 9 o'clock services, for those of you who may not have ever been there, are a little more traditional in terms of our worship style, but either way, you're stuck with me preaching, so you can come, come either hour, and welcome to that. Uh, two weeks from today, on Father's Day, on the 21st of June, we are uh, targeting to start our classes again and uh, move in just a little bit closer to each other. So um, if you uh, are thinking about that, that's our target. It looks like that's going to happen. Things keep moving in that direction. And um, just so for those of you who are parents know that when on the 21st, when we do start classes, uh, we still um, will not be doing children's classes during the 9 o'clock hour, but we will be doing children's classes during the 1030 hour. Um, we still have several of our volunteers who uh, still don't want to get out yet, and so we're still kind of waiting for that uh, before we take that step. But on, on the 21st, we will be doing the 1030 hour. So with that said, um, just want to encourage some of you, again, those of you know, again, we have several of our volunteers who are older that aren't ready to get out, uh, who help with our children. They're not going to be coming, so we do need some extra hands involved in children's ministry. And so if there are some of you who uh, might be willing to come to the 9 o'clock hour to worship and be able to be here for service and then stay for the 10 10.30 hour to help with kids, that would be awesome. Uh, you can talk to Pastor Sarah out in the lobby, and she'll be happy to help you know how you can be a help for that. So anyway, want to encourage you for that. Like Jesse said, we're going to begin a brand new sermon series today called um, Simon Says. Now, how many of you played the game Simon Says before? Yeah. Now, we're not going to play that. That's not what this is about. But when we were looking at sermon series, one of the things we thought about is looking at the lives of some of those who followed Jesus and maybe learning some lessons uh, from them and, and things that we might learn in our own journey of faith. And one of the cool things when you look at the life that uh, Simon Peter led, uh, you, you begin to discover that, you know, his life had a lot of ups and downs. He had a lot of great successes and he had a lot of really bad failures. He said some things that were really smart and he said some things that were really stupid. Now, how many of you would say, yeah, that kind of fits for me. I've done that. Yeah. yeah well, maybe <laughs> back here with both hands up. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we could, you know, and I think, I think the series is going to help you in that journey because Simon does teach us a lot of stuff. And today we want to look at, as Jesse mentioned, we want to look at the question, you know, life at, look at life's most important question. Um, several years ago, after, um, after Stephen Jobs founded the uh, Apple computer company, uh, that company just really took off. And as it began to expand and grow, um, one of the discoveries that uh, Stephen Jobs made was that he was an incredible inventor. Uh, he had a very creative mind, and he was able to really come up with very innovative ideas. But he was a lousy manager. He wasn't good at organizing people. He wasn't good at leading organizations. And he realized that if he was going to lead Apple into the future, if it was really going to be a thriving company, uh, then he was going to need help running the company. And so he began to try to recruit a man by the name of John Scully. Now, John Scully was the CEO uh, for PepsiCo, the father of the Pepsi-Cola company. And he was one of the leading CEOs in the uh, country. He was a brilliant man, really, really good at what he did. And so Stephen Jobs uh, began to try to recruit John Scully away. But John Scully wouldn't come. 
He, he, he made bid after bid. And then one day, Stephen Jobs ended up in John Scully's office. And he was, again, trying to make the pitch for Apple computers. And John Scully finally looked across the desk at him, and he said, Jobs, you can't afford me. He said, for me to come to leave Pepsi and come to Apple, he said, it would cost you a million dollars in salary. It would cost you a million dollars in a signing bonus. It would cost you another million dollars in benefits. And quite frankly, you don't have that kind of money. And Stephen Jobs kind of looked at him and kind of nodded his head and, you know, kind of acknowledged, yeah, you're right, we don't. And then Steve Jobs looked up, and here is what he said. I just love this. He looked John Scully in the eye, and he said, Scully, answer me this. Do you really want to spend the rest of your life making bottled sugar water? Or do you want a chance to change the world? And John Scully said it was that question that wrecked him and caused him to leave PepsiCo with the huge salary that he was making and join Stephen Jobs as the CEO of Apple Computers. The right question asked and answered can change everything. Now, there are a lot of important questions along the way that you may be asked, but today, I want to look at what I believe with all of my heart is the very most important question you will ever answer in your life. Are you ready? Here we go. If you've got your bulletin, you can open up. There's a sermon outline there. You can uh, take notes or doodle to keep yourself awake. If that'll help you this morning. Let's look at a passage of scripture with me from Matthew chapter 16. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Now, that phrase, son of man, that was a phrase that Jesus used often to simply refer to himself. So he's asking the question, who do people say that, that they're saying that I am really? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist had been, had been killed, and they thought, well, maybe some people were saying maybe he's John the Baptist preaching like John, you know, resurrected. Some say Elijah. Uh, or Jeremiah, um, you know, one of the prophets who, who were raised from the dead. They were having all these things. But then Jesus asked them, and this is the question I want you to get to. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, read it with me, church. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I want to ask you this question. It doesn't matter uh, what the world thinks. It doesn't matter what your parents think. It doesn't really matter today what Steve Childs thinks. Who do you say Jesus says? Because I believe answering that question is the most important question you can ever answer. Because Jesus made some claims that change everything. Can we walk through that together? You say, well, Pastor Steve, why is that such an important question to answer that, that Jesus asked? Why, when he says, who do you say that I am, why is that such an important question to answer? Well, let me give you a few reasons. I'll give them to you quick. Here's the first one. Because Jesus claimed, are you ready for this? He claimed to be God in the flesh. He claimed to be God in the flesh. You see, you can't just easily blow off Jesus asking that question, who do you say that I am? Because what Jesus claimed, he didn't claim to be another teacher. 
He didn't claim to be another prophet. He didn't claim to be some rising star or another rabbi or, or, or any of that. Jesus claimed to be God in the flesh. So what do you do with that? Look at what he says in John chapter 10, verse 28 and, and 30. He says, I will give them what? I will give them what? Eternal life. Now, who can give eternal life? Who has that power? Who has that ability? Only God. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Read this next phrase out loud with me. The Father and I are one. That's why it blew Philip away when Philip was, you know, when Jesus was doing this teaching and Philip is so enthralled in it. And, he goes, and Philip looks at Jesus and he goes, you know, show us the Father and that will be enough. And Jesus smiles at Philip and he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. C.S. Lewis said, when you look at Jesus, you've got a, a few choices because he was either a liar or a lunatic, or he was who he claimed to be, God. John 8, 58, Jesus was teaching to people, and he said, very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, read it with me, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, circle that on your outline if you're taking notes. Just circle those two words, I am. Circle that. Because the Jews understood that to be a, a, a phrase of divinity. They understood when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, that he was referring to himself as God. When, when, when the Lord was speaking to Moses, remember the whole burning bush story? When Moses saw the burning bush, you know, and, and he comes and the verse speaks to him and tells him to go back to Egypt and to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And, and Moses goes to this conversation with God and, and he says, well, who should I say sent me? Who, who am I going to tell them sent me? And God said, you tell them I am sent you. I am who I am. And Jesus took hold of that phrase that was so sacred and he applied it to himself. And in fact, if you go back and you read that part of John, you'll discover that it was after Jesus said that, the Jews went crazy. They tried to kill him. That's blasphemy, they said. You claim to be God. Well, it would be blasphemy if it wasn't true. Because he claimed to be God in the flesh. In Colossians, Paul wrote about Jesus and he said this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Think about that for a second. Everything you ever wanted to know about God, you can find in the person of Jesus Christ. It says he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And I just want you to settle the question today. When you answer that question, who do you believe Jesus to be? You've got to take this into account. Jesus didn't claim to be just another famous person. He claimed to be God. Amen? Another thing that you have to, you have to why you have so important to answer that is because Jesus claimed to be what your heart and soul are searching for. Jesus claimed to be what your heart and soul are searching for. I, I love this story. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's a, uh, that young lady's name is Jill Holler. And uh, Jill is an author now. 
And when I was reading some of her story, uh, it was so interesting to me because her story is a, a, probably a similar to for a lot of us. Um, she was actually born in a, in a Christian family, and um, family took her to church as she was growing up. But when she went away to college, um, Jill began to just drift in her faith. Um, she went to church less. She started hanging out with people who didn't. And the longer she was in school, the further away from God that she drifted and one day, she kind of turned around and looked back and realized that she was a long way from where she had grown up. And she decided, you know what? I don't think I really need God in my life. And Jill said she began to uh, party more. And uh, she said she started filling her life with a, a, a lot of excitement. And, um, and she said she started hanging out with the cool kids and she said they, they took her in. And she said she found herself for the first time in her life really uh, popular. And she said, I, I just was basking in that. And she said, I, I, I started having all of these friends. And I was hanging out with all these crowds. And I was going to all of these parties. And she said, but it was so bizarre. Because the more people I seemed to have in my life, the more alone I felt. And she said, and the harder I partied, the more empty I felt after it was all over. And she said, I began to think, what, what is wrong with me? And she said, instead of my life getting better, I felt like it just got worse and worse, and I began to slip into a, a depression. And she said, I, I began to, to think to myself, you know, if I, if I just find that right job, if I just find that right job that, you know, I'll, that I can really get, you know, get into, then, then my life will have meaning. Or if I, if I just find that right guy, that one guy, that one special Mr. Right, all of my problems will go away. <clears throat> How many of you ladies found out that's not really true at all? <laughs> yeah, it does. Did you hold your hand up? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it's just true. Because here's the deal. There is a God-shaped hole in every single person that nothing but Jesus Christ can fill. And that was what Jesus was trying to convey when he came. You know, in Ecclesiastes, the Bible says that God has set eternity in our hearts. And the only thing that can fill that hole inside of us is the eternal one. Now, Jesus said it a lot of different ways in his life and ministry, but I, I love how he said it in John 6. Um, the context of this I thought is so cool because in John 6, if you remember the story, this is when, when Jesus had multiplied the fish and the bread and he had fed people and, and they were all excited because he did this miracle and, and they were all full. And, and Jesus thought, you know, you think, you, think, you think just getting a belly full is enough. Listen to what Jesus said. He goes, you know, you know what? Read it with me, church. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, don't you understand? I'm what your soul is looking for. I'm what your heart is looking for. I cannot just satisfy your belly. I can satisfy that deep yearning within you. Now look at me for a second. You gotta hear this. Because I promise you, there are some of us who have tried to fill that hole with a lot of stuff. And what we discover, it's never enough. We can never have enough possessions. We can never have enough excitement. We can never have the right position. We can never find that right person because nothing can fill that hole in us except Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Why is that question so important? Because Jesus claimed to have the power, are you ready for this? To change your life. He claimed to have the power to change your life. John 10.10, Jesus said, you know, the thief, he comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Read it with me, church. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I saw this last week, and I just thought this is such an, an excellent description. Throw that up on the screen for me. It says, Jesus is my God, my King, my Lord, my Savior, my healer, my refuge, my provider, my strength, my defender, my protector, my peace, my joy, my life, my all, my everything. And that's the change that Christ wants to bring. You know, I don't, again, we, we go through times of our life where, where we get stuck and we think that there's no way out. You know what we discover? Jesus Christ really is a way maker. He really is that one who, who can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. He can change those things that are on the outside. And you know what else? He can change that stuff that is on the inside. I don't know how you got to where you are, but here's what I do know. If you want to be on a different path, there is a Lord who can make a way for you to be on that path. Amen. I don't know who you have become, but if you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror, look at me for a second, and you looked in the mirror and you are tired of being that person, I know someone who can make you somebody new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul was writing to the church. Read it with me. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, Pastor Steve, but you, <laughs> you don't know me. You, you don't know where I've been. You don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how long I've been there. Doesn't matter. He can change you from the inside out. Can I give you a great example? Throw that picture up on the screen for me. That's my buddy Lance, Lance Lang. Anybody know Lance? Anybody know him? Um, he's got a ministry now called uh, Hope is Alive. You know, when you meet Lance and you're around him, you, you, would, you would think he's one of those guys that has always had it together, but he's not. Lance grew up here in Oklahoma. He was um, the son of a Baptist preacher. Uh, Dad actually pastored a large Baptist church in a small town. And growing up, Lance said, he just felt like uh, he was always in this fishbowl, man. He said, you know, I was the preacher's kid and everybody's watching me. And, you know, everybody, he said, I felt like people were just whispering about me all the time. And he said, I just felt a lot of pressure. And he said, man, by the time I was 16, he said, I just felt like I was going to burst from having everybody's eyes on me. He said, then I had a, a, a friend at school who had a locker next to me who asked me a question I had never been asked before. He said, Lance, would you like to get high? And Lance said, I'd never been asked that question before. And he said, I, that first time he asked me, I, I was able to say, no, I, I don't think so. He said, then the kid asked him that question again a, a, a few days later. And Lance said he, 
He said that time he, he felt a little bit more compelled, but he, he just said, you know, not, not now. He said the next time the kid came, he said it had been a bad day, and Lance decided, you know what? Yeah, I think I will. And Lance said that was the first time in my life I got away with a buddy, and he said we, we smoked marijuana. He said, and you know what? I got to escape. He said, uh, the drug helped me relax. The drug helped me forget about my problems. Now, he said, real important, the problems didn't go away. The pressure didn't go away. He said, the drug just made me pretend like it really wasn't there. He said, but that became my escape. He said, man, from that point on, for the next 10 years, he said, I, I began to drink. He said, I took every kind of drug that, that you could take. Uh, he said, uh, he said I, I was doing whatever it took to escape the pressure that I felt myself being under. He said, I found myself in my, in my mid-20s. He said, I was, I, was, uh, I was overachiever. He said, I was uh, uh, working for a project management company. He said, I, I was 25 years old. I had more responsibility than a 25-year-old you ever have. He said, the pressure was huge. And he said, I was, I was taking everything I could get my hands on. And he said, he said, the drugs were taking over my life. He said, when I, by the time I, I, I had escalated to where I was taking pills, and not just a pill or two, but 10 pills at a time, he said, it just takes over your life. And he said, I'll never forget the day when I came home. He lived in Edmond. He said, when I, when I came home and I turned a corner, and he said, and it takes your breath away that day when you turn the corner and you start down your street and you see a U-Haul in your driveway. And your wife and kids are leaving you. Lance said, I began to realize this was taking over my life. He said, shortly after that, he said, my uncle who owned the company I worked for called me into the office. And he said, Lance, I don't know what's going on with you, but I know something's wrong. I know you've been stealing from the company. I, I know you always seem to be out of it. He said, unless you tell me right now what's going on for you, you're going to be fired. And Lance said it was there in his uncle's office that God broke through. And he was able to confess to his uncle his addiction to drugs. And he was able to come to a place of brokenness and surrender before Lord Jesus Christ. And Lance was able to dedicate his life back to God. And he went to Rob's ranch. He went to a place where he could get some help for the drug abuse. And, and he began to become clean and sober. And Lance said as, as that happened for him, he said he began to realize that God not only wanted to restore him inside, but God had something new for him. It was April 2011 when God began, to, began that change in, 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 in Lance's life. In October of 2012, Lance founded the organization we know as hope is alive. He founded a home where men who were addicts could go as they were in their recovery, a place where they could learn about Jesus, a place where they could learn about the one who could not only set them free, but the one who could keep them free. And he began to help these men grow, and that ministry began to grow and grow and grow. And from 2012 till now, this summer, Hope is Alive are opening up their 20th home, not just here in Oklahoma City, but in Tulsa, North Carolina, and now up in Kansas. What God did, Lance would have told you, there is no way I can ever be different. There is no way I can get off of this path. But God did for Lance what God, what no one else could do and what Lance couldn't do for himself. I thought it was so cool how his ministry has touched so many others. Throw that next picture up on the screen. This is one of the, the recent graduates from Hope is Alive. Her name is Shana. 
And Shana's story, very similar to Lance. Shana talked about her life in alcohol and drugs and ending up on the street, never believing there was any way out. But she found our Lord Jesus Christ. This is her at her baptism, which I think is so cool. And now she, too, is someone helping others on the way out. Look at me. You got to hear this. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care how long you've been where you've been. I don't care how long the habits or addictions or whatever else is going. What you need to know is if you want real radical change, you got to have a change maker in your life. And Jesus came to be that change maker. What Jesus did for Simon Peter, what Jesus did for Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. What Jesus did for Lance and Shana, you know what? He can do for you. Amen. Can I give you one more? Why is it so important to answer that question? Who do you say I am? Because Jesus claimed to be the only way to be right with God. Jesus claimed to be the only way to be right with God. It's it's so interesting to me. Sometimes when we make that statement about Jesus being the only way to be right with God, you know, it'd be really easy to say, you know, isn't God being exclusive? I mean, my goodness, only, you know, why, why can't there just be lots of ways? And you can look at it that way, but think about it this way. God loved you so much, he wanted to make it crystal clear how to be in relationship with him. God loved you so much, he he didn't want there to be any confusion. He didn't want you stumbling about. He didn't want you trying to find your way. God loved you so much, he sent his one and only son to be that bridge between heaven and earth. And Jesus made that claim. In John 14, 6, Jesus told him, read it with me, church, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Acts, the disciples pick up that same theme. It says, salvation is found in no one else. Read it with me. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. Now look at me. for I just want you to hear this. If you came in this morning, I don't care where you've been on your journey, but if you've really been sensing in your heart, you know there's a God and you know you want to be right with him. You don't have to guess at that. You don't have to jump through hoops. It's not about what you did. It's about what Jesus Christ did for you. And today, by opening your heart to him, and claiming his forgiveness in your life, and dedicating your life to him, you not only get a chance to change, you get a chance to spend eternity with your heavenly father. Amen. Throw that picture up here for me. That's a Whittier, Alaska. Anybody ever been to Whittier? It's kind of a out of the way place up there. Yeah, Cliff, you've been in a service. You've been up there. It used to be an army place years, years and years ago. It's a, it's a sprawling metropolis of about 220 people. And uh, almost every single person, almost everyone in town lives. You see it right there on the right-hand side, that apartment complex. That used to be an army barracks. And it's now an apartment complex. And almost all of the 220 people uh, from uh, Whittier live there. 
Um, it's, a, it's a place, you think the wind blows here in Oklahoma. Wind will blow 80 miles an hour there in Whittier. Uh, it really, really gusts up. Uh, in the wintertime, it is not unusual for them to get 55 feet of snow. Not inches, feet of snow. Which is why Whittier is not really all that populated. Interesting thing about Whittier, though, is there's only one road into Whittier. And that road, um, there's a a tunnel that comes through uh, Maynard Mountain there. It's a 2.6-mile tunnel through the mountain that comes out into the city. Interesting thing, they close that tunnel down every night at 10. And they open it up again at 7 o'clock in the morning. And they'll tell you, you don't want to be stuck on the wrong side of the mountain when the road closes. Does this make sense to you? Now look at me. Hear my heart. There will be a day when you will stand before God and you will have to give an account of your life. You don't want to be on the wrong side of the mountain when you stand before him. Amen? Jesus Christ made a road for you. He made a way for you. He bore right through the mountain of sin that was between you and God. And if you will just simply receive him as your Savior and Lord, you can stand before God with an open heart and an open life. You can be right with God, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. Amen? Rachel, come on back. Now, look at me again for a second. Can I ask you the question again? Who do you say that he is? If I were to ask you that question, who who is Jesus? How could you answer that? Peter said, You are the Christ, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And out of all of the questions you're going to be asked in this life, this is really, truly the most important question you will ever answer. Not only for how you're going to live your life here, but for where you're going to spend your eternity. In a moment, I'm going to have Rachel lead us in a song, and then I want to pray for us, and and I just want to ask God to meet us here. But before Rachel leads us, would would you do this for me? Could you just bow your head and just close your eyes? And and I, I just want to ask you a very personal question. I just want to know how to pray for you as your pastor. Would there be anyone this morning that would be honest enough to to say, you know, Pastor Steve, I. I know it's Jesus I've been looking for, but I've never really claimed him as my own. I've been down a lot of roads. I've tried to fill my life with a lot of things that have never satisfied. And this morning, I want to open my heart, and I want, I want Jesus to fill that hole inside of me. If that fits for you, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor Steve, that's me. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Yeah. I wonder if there might be some of us this morning who would say, 
Pastor Steve, man, I was really tuned in when you were talking about change because I know there are some changes my life needs. And I can't do it by myself. I need the power of Jesus Christ to make some changes in me that I can't make on my own. If that fits for you, and I can pray for you in a moment, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Steve, that's, that's me. Yeah, yeah, lots of us. This morning, I want you to understand that it was for love's sake that God sent his son. God did not send his world, son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God is not mad at you today. He loves you. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you can have it more abundantly to the full. This morning as we sing this song, it's a song that talks about Christ being our healer. Would you just open your heart to him? Would you whisper whatever prayer it is that you need to pray before him and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need your healing. I I, I need you to fill my life. I I need you to forgive me of my past. I, I need you to give me a brand new future. I need you to make some changes in me that I'm not able to make. Whatever that prayer looks like for you, would you just Cry that out to him right where you are. And then after we sing this song, I want to pray for us. Would you do that? Lord Jesus, my prayer today is that you would get right up in our face right now. Nose to nose with each and every one of us. That you would hold our face in your hands. That you would look deep into our eyes. And that you would ask us that penetrating question that you ask your disciple. Who do you say that I am? Lord, honestly, there, there, for a lot of times, we, we hold you at arm's distance. It's like we want you to be a, a part of our lives, but we really, we really don't want to address that issue. But, but today, would you, would you just get in front of us, and would you, would you let that penetrate us to the heart? Because, Lord Jesus, you are what we are looking for. I know there are people watching this online and people who are here this morning, and they have been looking for you in all of the wrong places. And right now, that emptiness that they feel, that hole that they feel in their life, Lord, you're the only one that can fill that. And I pray that as they reach out to you with arms of faith, that right now, Lord, that you would fill them to overflowing, that you would be the bread that would cause them to not hunger anymore, that you would be the water that would cause them to not thirst anymore, that they would find that you are the only one that can satisfy their soul. Lord, I know that there are people today that that need some change in their life. There are some of us, Lord, that need you to break the chains of our addictions. There are some of us, Lord, that need you to to change our, our ways, to change our attitude, to change some of our behaviors. There are some of us today, Lord, we need you to change our marriage. We need you to come into our homes and undo the way that we've been treating each other to really build a home that's built upon your foundation. And for every person, Lord, that's crying out, would you be their strength? Would you be that change agent? Would you be that way maker for them? And Lord, today we, we confess before you 
You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through you. And I thank you, Lord, that you loved us enough to make it clear that there would be no doubt how we are to find our way back with God. You bore the tunnel through the mountain of our sin and saved us when we could not save ourselves. And Lord, today, I, I pray for every single person here. Would you just let them know today that your grace is greater than all of their sin. It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter how long they've done it. It doesn't matter, Lord, where they've gone with their lives. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. And today can be the first day of the rest of their life in this incredible, beautiful journey with you. Lord, we thank you today. We declare, who are you? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen.